Hey there, welcome to episode 21 of the Boob Report podcast, powered by Helix Interactive. Today, I'm hanging out with Lucinda Testo, an unbelievably strong woman who wants to share her unusual story of how she and her family have dealt with breast cancer. Let's get started. Okay, we are here. And so we have an interesting episode today of the Boob Report podcast. I belong to a few groups on social media uh, that are, you know, promote podcasts for guests and speakers and things like that. And I put a call out to get some guests and Lucinda answered my call, my virtual call. And she has an incredibly unique story to uh, share with us today. So we're just going to dive right in because you guys are just going to be blown away by this. So Lucinda, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me on Michelle. So, um, I will jump right in when I saw your post in the group, I was like, wow, not only do I have a story to tell, but it's a recent story to tell. Um, so I was diagnosed with stage two B breast cancer, um, earlier this year, I believe I got my actual confirmation diagnosis on April 1st of this year. Um, I'm 42 years old. And what's interesting is um, I have an older sister who is a breast cancer survivor, both paternal aunts, also breast cancer survivors, and a paternal grandmother who unfortunately lost her battle to breast cancer. Um, we've all had genetic testing done, and we have all tested negative for the BRCA1, BRCA2 gene or really any gene that's been, um, you know, that's already discovered, which leads me to believe that perhaps it is a gene that just hasn't been discovered yet. Mm -hmm. Um, another interesting fact is my grandmother was diagnosed in her late fifties. Both aunts were in their early fifties. My older sister was 39 when she was diagnosed and I was 42. So there also seems to be something where it kind of almost backs itself up 10 years with each generation, right? Um, which is kind of, of scary. So um, the quick and dirty is because my um, I have a long family history of breast cancer. I've been getting um, mammograms and ultrasounds since I was around 34, 35 years old. And I usually get them every August and then COVID hit. And when COVID hit, everything was backed up because you know, places were closed down. So my mammogram and ultrasound got pushed back to March of this year. And I went for, I always have to get an ultrasound also because I have super dense breasts. Um, I got the mammogram, mammogram looked great. I got the ultrasound and I got the dreaded call back the next day. And I've been called back before, but this time it just, it felt different because they weren't just like, oh, you know, it's probably nothing. Come on in. It was actually, we saw something we didn't like. Mm. And so we're going to have you come back in. I wish there was and, a better way to say that, you know, <laughs> it's <like> really <laughs> agreed. And yeah. the second they said that I was like, well, I've got breast cancer. Mm. Like I just kind of like in my gut knew and I went back and they took some more images and the radiologist came back minutes later. And he's like, I'm going to send you to get it biopsied. So of course, then the panic sets in and you're like, oh gosh, like not me too. Mm -hmm. um, I got the biopsy. It did come back right before Easter weekend. I got the results that um, it was positive for cancer. 
So they set me up to meet with a very reputable, uh, reputable breast surgeon um, in the state of Connecticut. And I met with her and she said, look, I'm going to send you for an MRI An MRI will pick up anything. So if it's something that the mammogram missed, you know, it came up on the ultrasound, the MRI is even more sensitive than that. Mm-hmm. And I, I will say nothing came up on the mammogram. Hmm. So if I had just had a mammogram, I would have been in really big trouble. Right. Yeah. So I had the, um, the MRI done. And the MRI picked up two more spots, both of which had to be biopsied also. So if I had just had the mammogram because the mammogram showed nothing, um, I would have been in really big trouble. So the MRI unfortunately picked up two more spots, um, both of which I had to have biopsied. One was just a cyst. Um, the other one was also cancer. Hmm. So, um, I am so thankful that I was sent for that MRI because otherwise the surgeon would have gone in, taken out the one tumor, who knows if she would have seen the other one. It was really very deep in there. Yeah. Um, so I went in for surgery. I had both tumors removed. It turned out they were actually connected like barbells Mm -hmm. and, um, then it's waiting for the dreaded test results of like, okay, well, how bad of a cancer is it? So I had a lumpectomy. I did not need a mastectomy. Um, I had a lumpectomy. I had some lymph nodes removed. Unfortunately, they did have um, find two positive lymph nodes, which is not the news that I was hoping to get. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought for sure it was going to be chemo and radiation, just as my my older sister had had. And to my surprise, they said you don't need chemo. Um, so I had to do, uh, six weeks every day radiation. Mm -hmm. And because it is, um, an estrogen positive cancer, I have to do hormone suppression treatment for the next 10 years, Mm -hmm. which includes because I'm premenopausal, uh, an injection that I have to go to the hospital to get once a month, every month for 10 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, um, I have to take, um, tamoxifen, which is an estrogen blocker Mm -hmm. every day for 10 years. Yeah. So I just wrapped up treatment at the end of August. And, um, so everything is still kind of fresh, kind of raw, but, um, you know, I, I think the biggest message that I would want to get out to people is, go for your routine screenings. Mm -hmm. And if doctors say you've got dense breasts and they tell you to go get the ultrasound, go get the ultrasound. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually shared my experience on Facebook, which I'm not typically one to share my, my personal life like that, (laughs) but it felt too important for me not to. And I have to say for as long as I've been on Facebook, I don't think I've ever had so many people respond with, you know, thank you. I'm like two years past due for a mammogram or, oh, geez, the doctors always recommend an ultrasound and I never follow up because I just assume I'm fine. And I'm like, oh my God, no, you have to go, just go. (laughs) Yeah. It's well, you know, the thing that I find um, interesting was, and I never really thought about this beforehand is the amount of women who have dense breast tissue. 
I, you know, I thought that that was an anomaly, but I swear to God, every person that I've talked to now, whether they've been diagnosed with breast cancer or not, are, are like, yeah, I always have to go back for at least one more, you know, uh, after the original mammogram, because I have dense breast tissue. I'm like, what is happening that all of us have dense breast tissue? I have no idea. Cause I had never heard that before. I, I I've made a note to myself that I really want to talk to some doctors and see if, if this is something that's been happening all along or, you know, if, uh, environment or diets or what the heck is Cause they make you think that it's like something yeah. not normal. Like, right. Oh, you've got really dense breasts. Yes. Okay. But I mean, I, I hear so many, most people I know say the same thing that yeah. they also have to do a mammogram and ultrasound. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I did the dig, uh, digital imaging. So I had my first mammogram, got the call for the second one, same thing, dense breast tissue. Um, and I swear to God with dense breast, tissue, you would have thought they were bigger, but anyway, um, that's just a whole nother complaint. Um, and so I was used to getting that second call like you, and then they wanted me to go for the digital imaging which I did that and they still didn't like it. So they sent me on for the, uh, for the ultrasound. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's uh, now granted that that was five years ago. And this is something you and I were discussing, you know, in our little green room before we came on and yeah. started recording is the advances that they have made in science and research and, mm -hmm. and namely in regards to the genetic testing, because like you were saying, I'm sure there's some marker in there that right. they just haven't discovered yet. You know, oh, that's my gut. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. And uh, who knows your, your family could be part of a unique research study or something mm -hmm. like that. Cause I, I donated my breast tissue because the, when I had my bilateral mastectomy, because the type of cancer I have usually strikes women in their late fifties to early sixties. And it got me at four. Well, they found it when I was 49, but my surgeon told me that I could have had this anywhere from five to 10 years. So, wow. yeah. So I was sort of a little unicorn with the type of cancer that I had. So I was like, yeah, take it, study it, see what you can find out more power to you. So I just, I, I you know, I bow down to scientists and, and researchers and, and doctors that devote their life to doing stuff like this. Well, I, um, I also have a younger sister. And so now my younger sister, I'm 42, she's 39, which is when my older sister was diagnosed and, um, her risk now like really goes through the roof because now she'll, she has two older sisters, both paternal aunts and a paternal grandmother. And, um, I am thankful that she had her, her children a little bit later. And so, um, she had not gone for her baseline mammogram and ultrasound and they just skipped right over to, to an MRI for her. And so she will now be getting an MRI and then six months later, mammogram and ultrasounds, which is what my treatment plan will be. And everybody else is now from now until forever. Right. Um, but you know, my older sister has two daughters. Um, I have a son and a daughter. My younger sister has two daughters and they're all going to be at super high risk. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, it's, it's we don't want to scare people. You and I were talking about this, but it is kind of scary to think, mm -hmm. you know, it wasn't something that would have been picked up on a genetic test because a lot of people are like, well, we should all do genetic testing, you know, part of right. the preventative healthcare stuff. Well, yours wouldn't have been found. 
You know, I didn't have a marker for cancer. So I mean, no one in my family has had cancer. Well, my breast surgeon actually said um, that most incidents of breast cancer are totally random and that Mm -hmm. they're not familial. Yeah. And so I was like, man, I mean, the fact that it's in my family, I've been getting screened for years, Mm -hmm. but I mean, if it wasn't, I mean, who knows? Right. Yeah. A statistic I heard uh, from a doctor is 20% of breast cancer is familial. Mm -hmm. It's genetic. 80% luck of the draw. So, yeah. And we were discussing at one point, weren't we, about the incidences uh, because you live in Connecticut. Yes. And I'm in Colorado and your, your instance for, uh, cancer in your state is pretty high. Yeah. So what I've read is that Connecticut up until this year, um, was the, uh, number one state in the United States for highest incident of incidence of breast cancer. And I heard we flip-flopped with, I want to say it was maybe New Hampshire, but I got to tell you, a lot of the new England States were in the top five mm-hmm. for highest incidence of breast cancer. So, I don't know if that's environmental. Um, I don't know what it is, but it's, it's very interesting. Yeah. It's um, I, I know here in Colorado, well, the national average of women getting diagnosed is one in eight, but in Colorado, it's one in seven and they have no Mm -hmm. idea why. I mean, you know, it it could be anything. Uh, But one thing that I did find interesting is the number one cause of death in the state of Colorado is cancer, not just breast cancer, but all cancers. It's the number one cause of death. Heart disease is the second. So, you know, Hmm. in a lot of States, cancer doesn't even sometimes make the top five and we're ranked as one of the healthiest States, you know, in the country. And for some reason, we've got a very high instance of uh, cancers here. So you wonder, yeah, yeah, it really does. I, I mean, I, I was a total stress queen. I, no doubt in my mind that it was a combination of stress, my environment and, you know, my diet, I'm sure it Mm -hmm. was a combination of all those things. And we've, we've talked about this before on the show. Everybody has cancer cells in their body. It's just whether or not they set up base camp. Right. So, so that's what you're, that's what you're dealing with. But, uh, but I think one thing that I did want to circle back on, um, is you and I discussed this in our, our previous, you know, call before we started recording, um, was, um, the survivor's guilt that, mm-hmm. you know, that we go through. And I, I, I like to touch on this occasionally because I think it's very important because I think there are more women that suffer with this than would like to admit it. Um, completely agree. And so, um, uh, if you don't mind, I'll share two kinds of guilt that I have. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, the, the first guilt that I have, and it, it sounds ridiculous when I say it out loud, but it, the feelings are real. Mm-hmm. You know, my older sister, um, I had two tumors. She had one and mine, my tumors were three times the size of hers. Mm -hmm. And she had one positive lymph node. I had two positive lymph nodes. Somehow she had to have two rounds of chemo and radiation. And I didn't need chemo at all. Mm -hmm. And I had to have radiation and they, you know, went out to my lymph node region to zap me over there too. Um, So I even have some guilt that like, my cancer wasn't as bad as hers, mm-hmm. you know, because she had to do two rounds of chemo. And I mean, chemo is really tough on the body. I mean, really tough. Um, 
So I, I almost feel like a little bit of weird guilt that like mine wasn't as bad, still serious, but it wasn't as, I didn't have to have, uh, my treatment wasn't as extreme. Right. And then, you know, I know I, I had shared with you that, um, I have a neighbor across the street who, um, was diagnosed at 37 with metastatic breast cancer. So it was about two years ago around this time of year. And she was, you know, very open about her diagnosis and how there's not a lot of research for metastatic breast cancer. And she fought her damnest. And um, unfortunately, she just passed away last week, leaving behind a husband, a nine-year-old daughter and a five-year-old son. And I get chills as I'm talking about it. And it literally makes me feel sick. I did a lot of crying off and on for days. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, of course, not that I want to switch places with her, but it's just like, it's just the injustice. Yeah. And um, it just, it doesn't make sense. I mean, she wasn't even 40, so it doesn't run in her family. She wasn't even 40. Why would she be going for screenings mm-hmm. yet? Right? right. And she ends up with a breast cancer that had already gone from the breast to the lymph node to her liver. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, there's all sorts of survivor's guilt where it's like, well, geez, like, did I even really have cancer because it didn't kind of like rise to, you know, something that serious. And again, I know like logically it's ridiculous, but you know, my husband for me at the end of my radiation had, um, thrown me kind of like a, like a surprise end of treatment celebration. So he got like one of those like really big obnoxious yard signs, you know, it says like fight like a girl with like the breast cancer ribbon and everything. And, you know, there was people like tons of people at the house. And while I felt like honored that he would do that for me, there was part Mm -hmm. of me that it's like, they're probably looking at the window being like, she doesn't deserve a party. Like she barely went through anything. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, I, I, I totally respect that. And I, you know, again, that's why I like to talk about it because every woman's journey is different and it, Mm -hmm. what you went through was incredibly traumatic and just living with the fear on a daily basis, having cancer run in your family, even though Mm -hmm. you guys have no idea why it does. So there's, I mean, I get it. It's, it's incredibly hard to deal with and to explain to someone, because I'm, you know what you sitting here saying that you had to do radiation and this and that I didn't have to do chemo or radiation. I didn't have to, I had six tumors and I just had everything removed with a bilateral mastectomy. And sometimes I felt like, you know, stop complaining about the pain, stop being a baby, you know, stop doing this, stop doing that. Your journey was not as hard as this person's that's right. Because my journey was different, right? So, you know, and yours is different from, you know, the beautiful soul that lives across the street from you. Mm -hmm. It's, there's no rhyme or reason to it. I think that's why it's also scary for all of us, but, um, you know, it just, we just have to look at it, respect that person, love that person's soul and beauty and their time here on earth and take that and move on as and giving as ourselves our own grace for, yes. like you said, what we did go through and mm-hmm. you know what, like, you know, maybe I didn't need chemo, but I got to tell you, there was still a lot of sleepless nights, a whole lot of crying, mm-hmm. a whole lot of like, you know, why me? 
Um, and even now, like, you know, I have to go back to the oncology department uh, once a month to get this, in, you know, Lupron injection to suppress my hormones. And every time I walk in there, it's triggering for me. Yeah. The smells. Um, another thing I always noticed is every time I would go, I'd be like the youngest person around. Not that I want other young people to have cancer, but I would like look around and I'm like, man, like everybody's got like 10, 20, 30, 40 years on me. Mm-hmm. And then like, that would make me feel really upset. Yeah. Um, so unfortunately, like it doesn't go away <laughs> every day when I have to pop that tamoxifen in my mouth and, mm-hmm. you know, suffer with the weight gain and the joint pain and, but at least I'm alive. And Right. Now I'm curious, uh, just want to touch on the shot that you have to get, because I honestly have not heard of this before. And is it because you're uh, premenopausal and mm-hmm. you're still producing estrogen? Obviously. Yes. Okay. Yep. So, um, 42 premenopausal. And so the Lupron injection, which I have to get right in the butt, mm-hmm. um, the purpose of it is to suppress my ovaries. Okay. And so it essentially puts me in, um, like a chemically induced menopause. Okay. Okay. So, so now I get like the hot flashes and the mood swings and I don't sleep anymore and score. Yeah. Welcome to the club. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I know there's, I swear to God, I, the hot flashes, I got to tell you, funny thing is, is when I went through my breast cancer and had my bilateral mastectomy and all of that, um, I literally stopped having my period. I, I actually started my period the day before my surgery, which is just a whole nother, you know, awesome, you know, (laughs) icing on the cake for that. But, um, I actually stopped having my period. And so, and the whole menopause thing just sort of was on hold. Yeah. I didn't have hot flashes. I didn't have any of that. And I was cold all the time, which was amazing, you know, because I had gone from, I, I would wear a tank top and flip-flops and four feet of snow. My hot yeah. flashes so bad, but, uh, they came back <laughs> the next year. They came yeah. back with a vengeance. So yeah, They're not fun. No, no, They're no, not, not at all. And for me, since my cancer was estrogen based as well, I couldn't do any hormone replacement therapy. Right. So it was just kind of, mm, you just kind of got to mm-hmm. suck it up. So, yeah, you know, yeah, I literally, and I'm not even exaggerating when I say this, I literally feel like I've aged about 10 years, you know, 10 to 20 years in this, in the, course of 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I'm alive. My prognosis is, is pretty good. My, you know, um, risk for it coming back is relatively low if I continue with their treatment plan. So I really just have to look at it as this is part of my journey, you know, spread awareness mm-hmm. and be there for anybody else who, if God forbid, they have to go through the same thing. Um, but really looking at it as like, this is part of my journey and yeah, it is what it is. It is what it is. I, 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 you know, I get that. I think you reach a certain point. It took me a little bit longer. You're leaps and bounds ahead of where I was. Um, because this is still so fresh, you Mm -hmm. know, and very fresh for you. So, um, yeah, it took me a while. It, it, Mm -hmm. uh, it took me about a year to get to the point where I was like, okay, you know what? I had cancer. So, and I've got to figure out how to live with this and, you know, uh, do something about it. Right. Change my life a little bit. I I will say that I enjoy things 
a lot more now. Mm -hmm. I give myself permission to be joyful and happy Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, experience things. And I take tons of pictures, drives people crazy, but I don't care because I I love love taking pictures too. (laughs) I do. I mean, even if my food, yeah, I'm the total dork that takes pictures when I go out to eat with my husband (laughs) and he's just like, really babe. And I was like, you know what? It makes me happy. It really does. I can't explain it. it. You know, I just, I love it. And my kids, they've gotten used to it when we're all together, you know, they know, okay, we're going to be taking pictures. We're going to be doing this. You know, they're, they're, they're very um, accommodating (laughs) (laughs) because that's what I like to do. So good. Good. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I just, I, like I said, I am fascinated to learn more. I think, um, at some point we will have to have you come back on because I'm hoping as you're going through this journey with your, um, survivorship and, and learning more about the genetic testing, I'm just really curious if, if the doctors have even, you know, asked you, you sent you to a, a geneticist or something like that so that maybe they could study what's, what's going on. Yeah. I mean, they, they recommend getting updated genetic testing. I'm trying to get my older sister to go, but you know, because of the family history, my younger sister was just sent for genetic testing. Hers didn't come back with anything either. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm definitely going to keep up as as long as insurance covers it of getting updated testing. I don't know if it's every five years, Mm -hmm. three years, five years, um, for sure. And that's, you know, for my daughter, for my nieces. Right. Um, so, and then, you know, I had expressed to the geneticist that I was concerned about my daughter. I mean, she's only 10. Right. So, But but, um, but I, I learned that they take the youngest person diagnosed in the family for familial cancers mm-hmm. and subtract 10 years. Mm-hmm. So because my older sister was 39, uh, my daughter will have to start getting, and my nieces will have to start getting tested at 29. Right. Right. So, you know, I, I think that it, as frightening as it is to know that I also look at it as knowledge is power. Absolutely. So, you know, at least you have a better idea of Mm -hmm. what could happen, what could possibly happen, but you at least know that you're going to get a baseline, you know, find out for sure. Because I think for me, it would be more scary, uh, a much scarier scenario to not have any idea. Right. No, I agree. I agree. And if caught early enough, breast cancer is very treatable. Yes. Yes, it is. That's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, it, it changes your life, but I, I, that's, that's why I I do the podcast is because I think it, it it makes women see things a little differently and experience things a little differently. And and we all have a short uh, story to share. And I think that of all the women out there across the country, it it really helps to, uh, to be able to know that they're not the only one going. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I love, I love what you're doing and you know, knowledge is power. And like I said, spreading awareness. 
and get the extra exam if they recommend it. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, listen to your body. That's the thing. Yeah. You, you just, you've got to listen to your body. I know a lot of times, I, I mean, I had no idea. I it just, it hit me out of the blue, honestly, mm-hmm. even when they called me back and I went in for the ultrasound, I was like, this is ridiculous, you know, because they kept saying it's probably nothing you know, and, and the radiologist explained to me, you know, everybody had, that's who told me everybody has cancer cells in their body. So, um, you know, I just went in when I got that call, it just totally blew me away Yeah, because I had no pain, nothing, no outward symptoms at all. No, I didn't either. And my tumors were located in a part of my breast that I probably never would have found a lump. Right you know, cause they were closer to the chest wall. And so, I mean, yeah, if we're going off of self exams, it probably would have been way too late. Right. Right. By the time. Um, yeah. They're still important, but they need to be backed up. Oh yeah. Mammograms and digital imaging. Absolutely. Like so yeah, absolutely. Cause I'm the same way. I had six tumors. I was manhandled. You couldn't feel them. Mine were very, um, almost like gel, whatever, you know, there were no lumps, you know, they just, they never felt them. And I thought like cancer tumors were hard. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no. These were very pliable. I mean, seriously, you just crazy. Yeah. So it's, you know, definitely, you know, do the self breast exams, but definitely go see your doctor on a regular basis and get those mammograms for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Well, Lucinda, thank you so much for taking the time and sharing your story with us. And I know that we will be circling back because like I said, your, your story after we met the first time just has resonated with me. And I am just fascinated to really learn more about the science and the genetic side of it. So I will definitely keep you posted if if there's any updates there. I appreciate that. Well, you're stuck with me. We've met. (laughs) I'm in your life now. So. All right, my dear. Thank you. All right. Thank you. And uh, we look forward to having you join us again at some point. Sounds good. All right. Take care. All right. Such an amazing story. Thank you so much for sharing with us, Lucinda. We have links and information where you can learn more about the instances of breast cancer in each state and how they vary among different groups of people on our website at the www.theboobreport.com slash podcast, episode 21 show notes. And a very big thank you to all of you for spending time with us today. Be sure to like and follow us and definitely share the podcast with your friends. You can become an active listener and support this podcast by clicking on the podcast link on our website at theboobreport.com. Thanks again and take care.